Are you listening to this on Spotify right now? You should be. On Spotify, you can listen to all your favorite artists and podcasts in one place for free. You don't even need a premium account. Spotify has a huge catalog of podcasts on every topic, including the one you're listening to right now. On Spotify, you can follow your favorite podcasts so you never miss an episode. Premium Spotify users can download episodes to listen to offline, so wherever you are, you can hear me. It'll be like we're on that vacation in the mountains together. And of course, you can easily share what you're listening to with your friends on Instagram. If you haven't done so already, be sure to download the Spotify app and search for Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. Or you can browse to find new podcasts in the tab marked Your Library. Oh, and make sure to follow me so you never miss an episode of Be Reasonable. Acting as moderator for tonight's broadcast. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. These boots were made for wearing while talking. It's high noon for Monday, August 31st, 2020. And I'm so tired because I drove to Northern California and back since last we talked. And we had a fantasy football draft and I drank a lot, so sue me. My tolerance may not be what it once was. My recovery tolerance, at least. My likelihood for getting wasted is still low. But you guys don't care about that, right? Maybe you do, who knows. So, over the weekend, so much excitement. Uh, someone was murdered in Portland. That person was a Trump supporter. He was murdered by a person for being a Trump supporter. And that person declares that he himself is 100% Antifa, of course. That person had also been arrested like a month ago for rioting. And of course he got out because in democratic cities and states now, it's not a requirement to actually post bail. In fact, the guy who just attempted to rape a 25-year-old woman on a New York City subway platform is also free now with no bail. Because that's what it means to be a justice-oriented progressive in 2020. Your first priority is to make sure that criminals are not made uncomfortable. Doesn't matter about the law-abiding citizens. Doesn't matter about their businesses or their homes or their property or their heads. There's video today of a guy, a, a you know middle-aged white guy, maybe even you know 55, 60, something like that, walking down a street, crossing a road in Baltimore, and. Um, a younger black kid runs up behind him and smashes his head with a brick and he just flops down to the ground. I don't know if he's dead or not. I mean, I guess probably not, or they might've 
said that he's dead by now, but totally unprovoked. I mean, even if he had said something before, like the man's back was turned, he was walking across the street, a dude ran up behind him and smashed his head with a brick, and the guy fell flat down on his face. This is so fucked watching this stuff. And Joe Biden just uh, went to Pittsburgh. Apparently he flew there. That's his first time out of the basement in six months. I mean, he did take a bike ride around his little neighborhood. Um, but so he went there and gave a 12-minute speech, chose not to take questions, and then is now on his way back to the basement. Um, Joe Biden's corpse let everybody know, like, hey, look, come on. You guys don't think that I'm some kind of socialist sympathizer, do you? Like, that's like his best argument for him not being one. You guys can't possibly think that, right? I mean, look at me. And of course, the, uh, the press is covering for him. And of course, Joe Biden's not a socialist, right? I mean, what would make any smart person think that? I mean, he definitely has an agenda that is very pro-socialist. In fact, many of those plans. See, this is the craziest thing about these plans. This is the craziest thing about the Green New Deal plan and uh, the Medicare for All plan and some of this other stuff. They're like, well, no, it's like a uh, it's just like some public influence on private business. But they're not talking about taking the private businesses away. Well, yes, they are. And the way you can know they are is by reading the plans. And when you read the plans, you can see that there is no other way to actually accomplish the goals of the plans without massive government takeover of the private sector, without compelling businesses to act in certain ways. There's no boundary there's no uh speed bump or roadblock or anything preventing these plans from immediately becoming full-on socialism and the socialists among the audience or the people who have friends who are socialists people will listen to this and they'll be like well that's not true he just doesn't know anything about real socialism uh, no, socialists don't know anything about real socialism. And that's why they're socialists, apart from how lazy they are. Because who in the world would want to be told what you're allowed to do and not do unless you are incredibly lazy and you have faith that your mommy and daddy in office will be able to guide you down the right path because government does so much so well. And the funniest thing is that they don't even enforce the laws that they put on the books. And you can see that right now. Look around these cities. It is mayhem. It's disgusting. Last night, mobs of protesters, protesters were marching through Los Angeles 
screaming death to America as if they're fucking ISIS. Why do we have to pretend this isn't real? Okay? You can see it with your own eyes. You can look at the videos. They are online. This is actually better than watching the news and listening to the news and watching Rachel Maddow and these very stupid people giving you their opinions meant only to sway you to one side or another. And you can say, yes, but isn't that what you're doing? Well, yes, it is. But I'm also telling you how I can be wrong. And I'm also telling you that I am looking at the side the news is not showing you. I have absolutely no doubt that the mainstream narrative is easily accessible by everyone. In fact, just having friends in a liberal environment like Los Angeles, like New York or D.C. or Chicago or Portland, or Seattle, Atlanta. If you are in one of these places, if you have friends in one of these places, there is no doubt that you already know the mainstream narrative, the central narrative, because it is everywhere. All of your friends trying to impress you with how much they know. How woke they are, how well connected they are, how socially conscious they are. All of these people are repeating the same things. It is absolutely impossible not to know the central narrative unless you are in an extreme right wing bubble, which certainly some people are, no doubt. But I don't happen to be one of those, and I doubt that you happen to be one of those. So I'm going to assume that you do know the central narrative and then my goal is to supply the other side. And if you think I'm lying or you think I'm incorrect about something, go look it up. See if you can prove your side. See if you can prove my side. And if you don't believe I can prove my side, that's fine. Believe your side. It's not a, it's not a hard concept to grasp. I am giving you the places to look and the ideas that argue against the central narrative, okay? And my interest is not presenting you both sides objectively because the people who say they're doing that are basically just practicing uh, respectability intellectualism. They have an idea of what they think civility means. And they believe that civility entails thoughts like, yes, I understand that democratic run cities are running rampant with uh, violence and anarchy and nihilism. But don't you see Trump's role in all this? That's not civility. It's not respectability. It's someone lacking the most basic level of courage and being able to discern right from wrong and talk about it and to actually put your belief on the line rather than trying to equivocate, rather than trying to 
be able to appease both sides with your lukewarm centerness. And it's fine to be a centrist. I'm a centrist. I have a bunch of views that support uh, conservative stuff. I have some views that don't at all support conservative stuff. Like I, t- I, if you don't believe me, go listen to the political compass test. I took it right here. You can hear my views and you can see where they come down. It's in the center. But there is nothing courageous or realistic or even handed or objective about pretending that there are two sides to this. There is one side to this. There is one Antifa. There is no uh, equivalent on the right. People talk about the Boogaloo Boys like, and the Proud Boys. Who even knows who these groups are? They certainly aren't present. They're not rioting. They're not rioting against Joe Biden. They're not destroying places in support of Donald Trump. They're not intimidating people that disagree with them. If these pockets of people exist, they probably go to stir up trouble with people that are already there stirring up trouble. If these people existed, if their presence was worth mentioning as an equivalent counter to Antifa, they would be in the news doing stuff. Where are they? It is not an equivalent opposite Antifa stands alone with black lives matter. There is no equivalent on the other side and it doesn't matter if in history there was, there is not now. And the idea that some counter protesters showing up or some violent fucking racist or white nationalists showing up, to cause trouble with the racist nihilists and anarchists in Antifa and Black Lives Matter, that does not make them the same thing. That does not make those groups a political force on the right. They are not. No one on the right even supports them unless you are them. And no one forgives them. Everyone speaks out about them including Trump and the Charlottesville thing that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris continue to lie about that all your friends continue to not know anything about and repeat those lies that Trump said that there were very fine people on both sides. He did not. He said specifically that he was not talking about white nationalists and neo-Nazis specifically in those words, in no uncertain terms, he said it, watch the video. He said it. There is no way to twist what he said into anything else. He said they should be condemned in full. And so we have one side, one side destroying businesses, burning places down, attacking innocent people, shining lights into homes. Screaming on megaphones while people are sleeping. Using air horns and sirens. They stood outside the uh, White House grounds. 
last week after the after Trump's speech at the uh, Republican convention. And they stood out there and harassed and surrounded Senator Rand Paul and his wife, various media figures, other guests that were coming from the White House to harass and intimidate these people and push them and scream in their faces with megaphones. There's not two sides to this. There's not violent bands of Trump supporters showing up outside Joe Biden's basement because they don't have actual events anywhere. They refuse to even go have Joe Biden go to Wisconsin for uh, for their convention because they weren't prepared to deal with rioters and violence. I'm not sure how anyone is tolerating this. There is no separation between Antifa and Black Lives Matter and the Democratic Party, okay? All of these things are working in concert. You can't just say one of them is good. No, it's just the Antifa guys that are bad. Nope. It all happens together. And it has all happened together. And you can see the events that they choose as rallying points and rallying cries. And then people say, oh, well, what about Kyle Rittenhouse, that kid with the AR-15 who killed two people in Kenosha, Wisconsin? Yes, indeed. What about him? He was there in the afternoon cleaning graffiti off building walls. He did have an AR-15. He was chased down by the first man who he turned and shot in the head. That man was a convicted pedophile. He killed another man who was a multiple-time domestic abuser, also there to riot. And he shot another man in the arm. That man was holding a gun and has since said that his biggest disappointment is not being able to kill Kyle Rittenhouse. So I'm not saying Kyle Rittenhouse is a hero, but he did kill a pedophile and a domestic abuser. And they're out there riding for Jacob Blake, who was, who the police were called to come get because he was threatening the woman at that house. In fact, <laughs> it's hard to even say it, but uh, he stuck his fingers in her vagina and then smelled them. And then it said it smelled like she'd been with other guys. Now, again, I'm not saying the police should have used that amount of force. But he was fighting. He did have a knife. And he is also that guy. But we got to make him out to be a hero. We got to shut the NBA down. I mean, fuck it. Shut the NBA down. I don't give a shit about the NBA. But the NBA was off for two nights. And within 24 hours after LeBron had said that the season was over, 
He changed his mind, and now the season is back, but only if the NBA opens its arenas so that LeBron James can make Democratic polling stations inside them with the help of Democratic organization Rock the Vote. And so, of course, as was obvious from the beginning, as I said on Twitter, they are going to try to extract a political concession and go right back to playing. Because that's all it ever is. They want to make a show so that they can look like they're doing something or actually pull off something terrible like this. And then, of course, they were going to play. And the young players are actually pissed off that LeBron's now taking the mantle of being able to speak for everyone. LeBron is a dumb guy, okay? He's not some genius. He's an incredible basketball player, and that's wonderful. But his social justice bullshit is terribly, terribly stupid. He does not speak out against China. In fact, he criticizes people when they do, even though China has an NBA training camp there for the Muslim Uyghurs in the concentration camps. And they beat and torture them because they're trying to groom their new NBA talent, the next Yao Ming. But LeBron isn't worried about that. LeBron is busy making sure that he's able to set up mass polling stations for Democrats that are hard to reach, easy to protest, easy to manipulate, easy to cause violence. Why would anyone want to go to Dodger Stadium and vote? And of course, no one will want to go do it. And so they'll turn to universal mail-in balloting. While LeBron and his people bus in Democratic voters. What do you think the on-the-ground organizing is for? What has Black Lives Matter accomplished in the seven years it's existed? Awareness? They don't even pretend to have a goal. They have a political agenda that they do not try to pass and accomplish. And the rest of it is on the ground organizing, grassroots organizing. It says it in their own releases about their finances. How many hundreds of millions of dollars tax-free is Black Lives Matter sitting on that go through the Democratic platform, uh, pay- payment platform, Act Blue? And for what? Watch as your friends in cities start posting about how they're doing voter drives, that they're like really trying to make the greatest turnout ever. That's not what they're doing. I'm sure I'm sure they think it is. I'm sure that they think that they are saving democracy. And listen to all of them. They will say things like, well, these people don't have access to voting. Really? How? How don't they have access to voting? Do they not have mailboxes? What they're doing is bringing people to these polling places to do same-day registration and have them vote for Democrats. Why do we have to pretend that this isn't what it obviously is. And 
these beliefs about who can and can't vote and how are all just generated nonsense years and years of the same narrative propagated by the mainstream media that somehow old black ladies can't vote. Old black ladies don't have the ability to sign up and register to vote. They don't have the ability to request a mail-in ballot or if you live in a state with universal mail-in balloting like this one, how are they going to mail it back then? There is no justification for all the, the, the ways they talk about voting and suppression and expanding turnout. All of this is stupid. If you want to expand turnout, create as many local polling stations as you can. Everywhere, all over. Put them on every block if you want. Every, every street corner has a polling place so that no one has any problem getting to the polls and voting. That sounds wonderful to me. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Then people have to exercise the minimal amount of effort to walk out your front door and go vote. A lot of people actually take pride in it, including old people including old people who are actually in wheelchairs and who are otherwise sick. They've spent a lifetime going to the poll and that is what they want to do. So why are we making that harder just to make it easier for the people that LeBron wants to go vote? Who the hell I live probably takes on uh, a normal day maybe 20, 25 minutes, a half an hour to get to Dodger Stadium. It takes three minutes for me to walk to the polling place where I voted in the primaries this March. So I'm supposed to go down 20, 25, 30 minutes, then drive around a massive Dodger Stadium parking lot then walk over to Dodger Stadium. I mean, this is like a two-hour fucking process. And and what do we need the military there? How much police force do we need there to prevent violence and rioting and protesting at polling places? Because that's not supposed to happen. That doesn't make people feel safe when they go vote. And how much of that do we need to see on the news in the days leading up to November 3rd to convince people that going and showing up at Dodger Stadium is a very bad idea. These systems are being abused. They are being abused under your noses and it's obvious. If you refuse to look at it because you believe your side, you are ignorant and you are holding the rest of the country back because you are too lazy to find out whether or not you are correct. And you are not correct. And so this weekend, the CDC once again updated coronavirus information. And I don't, it's weird because, you know, I have some understanding of what makes things go viral and when. But this is an interesting one because the CDC put out the statistic that only 6% of coronavirus deaths uh, were not exacerbated by uh, 
other comorbidities. And the average number of comorbidities for a coronavirus death is 2.6. Okay, that means 2.6 other confounding factors like diabetes, old age, respiratory problems, for instance. So 2.6 means you're likely to have (laughs) two to three of those. So that's not kids. It's not people like me. It's not people like you, probably. And that doesn't mean that only 6% of the coronavirus deaths were actually caused by coronavirus. It just means 6% of them were not caused by anything else that we know. And I would bet that a whole bunch of those died because they were put on ventilators. And I would really, really like to know that. Because again, the risk of death for a healthy person under 65 is really, really close to zero. But that wasn't all from this weekend. We also had a New York Times article talking about how up to 90% of the positive tests, the PCR tests, could have been either false positives or positives from people who were no longer in any danger of transmitting coronavirus to someone else. So there was no point for them to be contact traced and there was no point for them to be quarantined. And again, I've been saying this shit for months and months, but now, now it's okay for the New York times to say it. It's not new information. The information is five months old. That's how I knew it and how other people knew it. And they had no problem putting it online. You can go back and check. It's not difficult. So the information was out there and five and a half months later, the New York times informs everybody inside the bubble, inside the community of the respectable and the civil. Now, now they get to know. Now it's no longer a conspiracy theory because the New York Times has blessed it with its stamp of approval for smart people because only the dumb people knew it before. Only the dumb people knew this earth-shattering, life-changing information five months ago. Only the dumb people, only the conspiracists knew this. The smart people did not know this. The smart people knew that we had to wear a mask because that's what smart people do. They trust the New York Times and not the dumb conspiracy friends. That's what smart people do. Smart people do what they're told by the people with authority over their thoughts and actions. Like the New York Times, like Anderson Cooper, like Rachel Maddow, like Anthony Fauci, like Jack from Twitter and Mark Zuckerberg, like Jeff Bezos, like Nancy Pelosi, all these people will tell the smart people when they can believe. And until then, if you're smart, you say that everybody else saying something else is dumb.
until five months later when it appears on the old gray lady. Then, then the smart people have received the message from the oracle and now the dumb people can repeat it after them so that the smart people knew that they had it proven first because their standard of proof is a better one, it being in the New York Times. Or they can just ignore it forever because that's smart. Smart people do that. Smart people choose not to believe anything or say anything until everyone else who's smart agrees that it's okay for everybody to say that thing. And the New York Times is their permission structure for that. It's really brilliant. And I'll leave you with this last bit of COVID information while um, people's brains are in the, uh, the state of doubt and disbelief that is now acceptable, according to our betters. Some people working on this now, some of the stat, the stat guys I've been following throughout this entire period who have been right pretty much all the time. Uh, believe that 72% of the coronavirus deaths were basically deaths that were pulled forward in timing and would have still occurred later this year. And obviously that's very likely since over 50% of them were in nursing homes and hospice and long-term care. And so when the excess deaths dip under as they have, we're going to see that to be true by the end of the year. And what we will have had is all of this crazy nonsense over a relatively small death toll. And now the Washington Post is upset because Scott Atlas seems to be getting the herd immunity strategy pushed through at this point, which would be fucking fantastic. And what I've said the entire time, minimal mitigation, young people should either contract the virus or not contract it based on T cell immunity. And we get this over and done with like a mature, responsible thinking, moral society would have from the fucking beginning. Instead of pretending that we can stop death, instead of catering to people so stupid and lazy that they think if it says MD or PhD near someone's name, that they must be right. That their politicians have their best interests at heart when you can see that they do not. When does it start to matter? That there is a life beyond this. That we would all like to live. So. I will be back tomorrow. At the same reasonable time. On the same reasonable podcast network. I do not have a network. Listen to more Hope's Fall. Goodbye.
If you like the show, please share it with your friends and give it a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts so new listeners can take your word for it. You can follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at I'm Your Moderator. If you have feedback, you can email heymoderator at imyourmoderator.com or use the hashtag heymoderator on Twitter. If you'd like to support the show, search Be Reasonable on Patreon, where I'll have additional daily-ish segments in a special podcast feed of the show, as well as my writing and audio readings of those articles. You can also go to anchor.fm slash be reasonable and become a supporter there. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Be reasonable. Acting as moderator for tonight's broadcast.